Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us some news on other parts of the world. Jonathan, good Sean, afternoon to you. How are you getting on? Uh, now, this is interesting. Uh, this uh, We're going to go to China first. This is an interesting story from many respects, particularly because around the whole climate change uh, argument, there's always the, well, China's building more uh, coal-fired power stations and seem to be oblivious to climate change. Uh, and now they've just had a, a rude awakening, perhaps. Yeah, it's not the first time that it's happened. And, and the rude awakening that you're referring to is that uh, there are several blackouts that are occurring uh, across the country due to shortage in electricity supply. Um, specifically, I'll focus on one particular area. That's Guangzhou, which is down in the southeast of the country. It wouldn't be too far away from Hong Kong, actually. Um, and it's a big province there. And last week they were reporting temperatures that were hitting 37 degrees plus, right? And mm. I looked at it today, actually, before I came in, and uh, it was 38 degrees there when, when I was coming into town, right? So it's projected to go down a little bit and then pick up back back up again uh, next week and go above 35. Anyway, why am I going on about the temperatures? The reason I'm going on about the temperatures is because there's a huge demand for electricity every degree that it goes uh, mm. above 35 degrees, okay? And I mean, it, you know, you can get a corresponding load increase of between 3 million and 5 million kilowatts, right? And that apparently is a lot. It's enough to cause blackouts and it has caused blackouts right across this particular region, but not just here, all right? And and it's interesting because I think it's interesting in, in a lot of respects. I, I'd love to know like 60 or 70 or, or, you know, in the 60s and 70s when they didn't have air conditioning or fans, you know, how they tolerated these kind of things. But I think it's kind of indicative of how much of a middle class has kind of grown up in China that they yes, can now yeah. afford these kind of yeah. things and it's normal. Uh, but they're not able to. They're not able to deal with it. And and indeed, last winter they had similar problems in various different parts of the country as well. And and it's 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 because of lots of different things, as you mentioned, right? The seventy percent of their power supply is coal dependent, right? But in fact, they have committed to reducing that amount of coal little mm, by little, yeah, right? Yeah. They're, but they're now having to turn back on it because normally if they had coal shortages, they'd import it from Australia, but they're having diplomatic problems and sanctions with Australia at the moment, so they can't get it from there. So they're having to go back to the mines now and dig out more coal in order to uh, in order to power their stations. And uh, it, it, it causes problems in a lot of areas, not just locally, but also in terms of production. And then, of course, international supply lines are affected and all sorts of things. So I think that's probably the reason why this is making news uh, internationally. Yeah, no, but I suppose what's interesting, because, we, you know, we're probably more focused on the, on the heat waves that we've had yeah. in Europe yeah, and the yeah. United States and uh, etc., that we don't really think that China... Uh, has experienced similar things this summer. Uh, unbelievable. On Monday, they had 21 red warnings and 140 orange warnings across the country. Um, so these are temperatures, as I said, today it's 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 38 degrees in that in, in Guangdong, which is the province of that, or the capital of that particular province. But there's other places where it's hitting 40 degrees, 40 degrees plus. Mm. Uh, so it's crazy stuff. Extraordinary. Uh, right, Iran, we're going to go to uh, next and uh, another example of... Crazy stuff. Yeah, and just just like there's a little bit of joy. Let's go and stamp on that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's it's. But it's it's a classic Iran government move, right? When things are not going well internationally, they always bring it home, and they try and take people's attention away from what's going on, and they they ramp up the moral stuff, right? Yeah, and they've right. done this, right? July fifth. 
President Raisi, he issues a new list of restrictions on what women can and can't wear, right? The big one was that when you're wearing your hijab, it can't just cover your hair now, but it also has to cover your neck and shoulders, which is a significant difference if you imagine like you have to, you've got to pin it up under your chin, now, mm. right? So so the whole thing is because you're not going to, you know, expose skin that might make men collapse and distract them and all this kind of thing. And, and so it, it, these new restrictions have come in, but they've been interpreted by different authorities in different parts of Iran in different ways, right? So there's one particular town uh, called Mashhad. It has a subway and the mayor there has basically instructed police to not let women use the subway if they are not uh, wearing their hijabs in the correct manner. All right. In other parts of of the country, uh, airports have been told that they're not to allow women to to come into various, various terminals and things like that. And there's even a bank that has said that it's over 1,000 employees are no longer allowed to wear high heels or stockings. Okay? Mm. And I think the most sinister one uh, is this one about the cemeteries. Okay, So the organisation of cemeteries for the Tehran province has issued an edict basically saying that it is to, it's going to hack off images of women that were on tombstones that aren't wearing the hijab. And in the largest cemetery in Tehran, a place called Behesht et Zahra, they have done this on 98 tombstones already where the proper hijab or, or tombstones without images of women wearing proper hijabs have been corrected, as they say. Yeah. Now, were they covering these pictures or actually yeah. hacking them off? So, them so off? in some instances where they're kind of reliefs, they're just hacking them off. And in other cases, they're covering them with, with the kind of whatever the Iranian equivalent of polyphila is. But they're they're gone. Uh, you know, it's not a case of just putting, you know, gaffer tape over them and, and they might be ripped off later. They're destroying them effectively. Yeah. And it's uh, that's horrible. Now, obviously... In terms of the public media there, no one's going to raise any objections well, to this. But say on... on, on well, do they? Not, not publicly, but yeah. certainly in, in, in social media. Yeah. And, and, and there are people who go out and protest about this. I think we have this image of Iran of everybody being OK with what's yeah. going on there. But as you say, it is a very restrictive regime. But there has been response. I mean, there's a campaign with the hashtag no to hijab. And on July 12th, so a week after... Um, this list of restrictions was issued by the president. They have a, a national day of hijab and chastity, uh, which I'd say is great crack. And um, there was protests. Uh, what does that say about every that. other day? Yeah, well, indeed, <laughs> uh, but there was there was there was protests arranged around that. Now, how mm. vocal these protests were, how public they were. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, no, because there's, there's always been a division there in Iran between Definitely. Tehran, which is far more cosmopolitan, mm. and the rules are bent, to put it mildly, mm. and, and the rest of the country where perhaps they're, uh, is far more conservative. So perhaps this is a way of, given that they've done it in cemeteries in Tehran, Tehran. it's a kind of a clampdown on the, the, all, all those uh, metrosexuals and their fabulous lifestyles. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Tunisia, we're going to go to next. And... Uh, it's the home of the Arab Spring, but things seem to be going backwards. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, this was coming, to be honest with you, and, and it's something sort of been keeping an eye on for a few years. So President Kais Saeed, he's been there for nearly three years at this stage. And you might remember, because we reported on it last year, he suspended Parliament. Initially, it was just for 30 days, mm. uh, but it's been suspended indefinitely since then. He then got rid of the Supreme Judicial Court in February of this year, and he said he was going to come up with a new constitution. Now, it's no surprise to anybody that that new constitution, uh, which was voted on last Monday, I think it was, 
um, was very favourable towards the president. Uh, <laughs> and it, it did all the usual things, right? So he's now going to be head of the army. It'll allow him to appoint a government without parliamentary approval. He split the legislative branch in half. So it used to be unicameral. Now it's, it's bicameral. Um, and he can introduce laws himself into those, uh, into into the parliament. And the only way they can be shot down is if a two-thirds majority reject the legislation, right? Yeah. He's also made himself unimpeachable. This guy's only 64. Uh, he's fairly fit. He could be around for a very long time. But as you said at the, at the, at the opening of this particular story, the home of the Arab Spring, and it looks like it's, it's uh, gone backwards into where it was before, if not worse. Yeah. Now, the, uh, is there a public vote on this, on, on this change of the constitution? There was, yeah, there, there was. And it, it, you, you know, when we talk about the stands and yeah. all these presidents coming back with their seven-year terms and winning by 90-something percent, that's what happened in this particular referendum vote. He got 94% of the vote said yes. It was a very simple question. Do you approve of the new draft constitution? It was as simple as that. A lot of commentators are saying that not many people knew exactly what it was all about. But yeah. the the reason he won the presidency and the reason that this new constitution has gone through is because the seven or eight years that Tunisia had, where they had their chances of democratic government and the like, went extremely badly. You know, they were very unlucky what with yes, COVID yeah, and everything yeah, else, but yeah. there was also high level corruption uh, and they couldn't get themselves organised. So this is why he came... I mean, he won by 75% when he came to power. OK, so he's popular anyway. He's quite yeah. popular. Now, I should say, without going on too much about this, that the referendum, there was something like 9.3 million people that were allowed to vote and only 30% of those turned up to vote. But then again, 95% of them said yes to the new okay. constitution. But All right. Uh, right, Australia we're going to go to uh, next. And, uh, well, I suppose a controversy... You wouldn't see here so much uh, that, that uh, this is a, the National Rugby League uh, objecting to wearing pride jerseys. Yeah, so it was a specific uh, team called the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles, right? They're based in Sydney. So it's, it's for a start, just want to say it's rugby league and not rugby union, yeah. okay? And uh, it involves seven players, all right? And they were to play a match last Thursday, a very important match apparently, which would have seen them probably progress to the semi-finals or at least the playoffs of their particular league towards the end of the season. However, the team were told effectively to wear jerseys. Now, normally their kit is a kind of maroon top, a bit like the Galway hurlers, right? It's right. a maroon top and white, white, white nicks or whatever you want to call them, right? But across the front, they had the pride flag, okay? Okay. And this was seen as a gesture towards, you know, the LGBT community and the like. However, seven players decided that they were going to boycott the game. So they didn't show up for the game, right? Mm. And they say that this is because they weren't consulted, but really it's more to do with religious and cultural problems, shall we say, that they have with okay. the wearing of a pride jersey or the the markings of the pride flag on their jersey. Now, it, it's interesting the angle that the club are coming at this from, right? Because they, obviously this has caused major controversy, but the coach, Des Hassler, has come out and said that the club made a significant mistake that it caused confusion, discomfort and pain for many people. He said that he respected the decision of the seven players, right? Mm. And he understood that they were annoyed about the fact that they hadn't been consulted prior to being told that they were to wear these jerseys on the day of the game. Now, I think what's happening here is he's trying to give these players a little bit of wriggle room to come out with their own statements. But I have a funny feeling that they're probably going to stick by their guns. And if it were to happen again, they'd probably boycott the next game as well. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a difficult so, one. So, I mean, their argument is they wouldn't wear it because their feelings were harsh. That's that's not very manly, uh, well, um, and given the enough. name of their team. Well, yeah, they're saying that they're religious. <laughs> true enough. They're <laughs> saying it because of their religious and cultural beliefs. Um, yeah. That's their rationale uh, behind it. The, the team, I believe, is sponsored by a brewery and a betting agency. So it is. Their, their religious and cultural beliefs non stretch to that. Yes, uh, absolutely. And as somebody else on Twitter actually pointed out, they said that they never boycott games when a, when a teammate has been accused of violence against women or something similar so uh, it's caused quite a bit of, you know, the PM has got involved as well this is the new guy Anthony Albanese yeah. uh, he got involved and he basically congratulated Manly on you know playing in those jerseys uh, it didn't say anything specific about the players but uh, right. you can sort of tell whose side he's on mm. Right, uh, United States, uh, we're going to go to next. And uh, this is this is very, very scary news. It's very uh, scary Jonathan. news, so, yes. Especially if you've any children uh, listening, you know, uh, just be mindful of what, what Jonathan's just about to tell us. Yeah, Hershey's are saying that they are not going to have specific Halloween products for Halloween. Um, and it's a big decision and big news that they've made. So this is because of what's going on around the world. Again, global supplies, mm. uh, various different things that are happening, the war in Ukraine. And they're saying, interestingly enough, this is, by the way, after they, they reported better than expected profits of $2.37 billion, uh, uh, an increase of 19%, apparently. Um, but they're saying that because... Uh, they want to focus on everyday products. Uh, they're going to focus their their manufacturing on that and not focus on specific Halloween things. Right. So instead of getting, you know, Twizzlers or whatever they make uh, with Halloween wrappers on them, they'll just have to get the ordinary ones. So devastating news. OK, I'm sure people will soldier on. Uh, so what uh, things should we look out for uh, in the next week or so? Yeah, a few things to watch out for. Um, I don't know if you've been following news in Kosovo and Serbia. There's growing tensions on the border there. So that mm. is something that is worrying international observers and something that could escalate uh, in the area. Kenya, there's presidential elections on Tuesday. Uh, Sochi, uh, you might remember the Winter Olympics were held there a few years ago. Putin is meeting Recep Tayyip Erdogan there in Sochi um, on... I can't remember when it is. I think it might be tomorrow or yeah. Thursday. I'm not 100% sure. But that's something that will be could be quite interesting in terms of the grain and all that that's going on. And then in Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival starts uh, later in the week. Good stuff. Jonathan, thanks, thanks a million for coming into us. Uh, Jonathan DeBucca Butler, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Want to take a break after that? 5,000 years of snogging. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.